right, let's pray. Um, hold your Bibles up. Let's pray this prayer. Was that a human? Did a human fall? Did a human fall? Say this with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. God's holy church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. Several years ago, I, um, I got to go on a mission trip. How many of you have been on a mission trip before? <clears throat> hey, I'd like to invite you uh, to Honduras. I don't know. It could already be full, but um, I think a bunch of us are already planning on going. But I, get, I, I went on the first Honduras trip back in 2015, and then I'm going on the fifth Honduras trip, which will be our last Honduras trip, at least for a little while, um, in 2019. So I'd love if you would go. Um, if you're like, I think I might want to do that, let me know. And I'll, and I'll get you the information to the person who gives you the information. How many of you are planning on going on that trip? There's a handful of us, aren't there? Heck yeah, that's going to make me very happy. Kenny, you're going? I mean, that's great. I believe that. So I went to, um, I went to Belize several years ago on a, on a um, mission trip. And when I got there, um, we did a lot of work. It was extremely difficult work because it was so blazing hot. It was so hot. Now, mission trips a lot of times are hot, but what happens is most of the time in the evening, it, you're able to cool off. But in Belize, we didn't have uh, air conditioner that worked in our rooms at night, so it just was hot. And then you would come in and you would want to recuperate, and you couldn't recuperate. So it was just blazing hot. It was so tough. It was just, it was the hardest mission trip I ever remember being on. And, um, Finally, on our very last day, we got to go on just kind of like a, a personal day or a fun day, and we went out to um, one of the, there was this area that had a large open um, shopping mart area. It actually looked like a campground, so when you're picturing a shopping area out in, in, um, uh, in another country, a lot of times you see streets, and that's what you're picturing. This was more, it looked like it was a campground, and then there were all these little, little shops, and um, it came time for us to leave. And uh, the bus driver said, hey, Jeremy, go tell everybody to hurry up. It's time to go. So I ran over to the, to the group, and I started running around. and said, hey, everybody, hurry up. It's time to go. Hey, let's go. Hurry up. Let's go. And uh, I remember screaming, hey, hur uh, hey hurry up. Let's go. And uh, this guy stopped me. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, in Belize, they speak the, the um, official language of Belize is English. So he stops me. He says, hey, we don't, we don't, we don't. Uh, I almost said we don't speak English here because I heard somebody just call me a racist, and I didn't think it was very funny, Tyler. So, it, uh, so what? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it did. It did sound like your voice. Who was it? So I can call him out. Anyway, so I um. So, uh, this guy says, "Hey, hey, hey! What are you doing?" And I went, "What happened?" He says, 
why are you screaming at people to hurry? You need to relax. He says, I don't know what you Americans do all of the time that you got to hurry all the time, but down here in Belize, we relax. And I remember thinking, oh, I guess there is something to that. What is this inside of me that thinks that I've always got to go, 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 and not be present to every moment that I'm in, that this moment matters, that this is an important moment. Slow down. Why do we always have to be rushing everywhere? And I noticed, I've started reflecting on that for the next several days. It just, it just, it just struck me. Like this, this guy who's out in this campground shopping area chastises me, and I feel like it's the voice of God. Like I think God's saying to me, Jeremy, what are you rushing to do? And I notice in my life that I'm constantly rushing. And as we get close to this Christmas season, the Christmas season feels like it's just blazing by, like it's always something. Like you go, like you got to go to the mall and you got to shop and you got to go get people presents and you got to go do this and this and this and this. It always just, just flies by. And as I reflected on it, I thought, what I do in life, there's, there, there really is, I've separated life a lot of times where I'm, where I'm basically living and waiting to live. Most of my life I spend in transit, trying to get somewhere, waiting to begin, driving someplace, standing in line, waiting for a meeting to end, trying to get a task completed, worrying about something bad that might happen or being angry about something that did happen. It's just this transitory time all of, the, all of my life. And these are all moments when I'm not likely to be fully present to that moment. What is it about this moment? What is it about this moment that I am unaware of the voice and the purpose of God? God seems to speak best. We hear him best because God's always speaking. But we tend to hear God best in the slower and more mundane moments of our life. God tends to speak loudest and most clear in the moments that seem the most plain and boring and simple. That's when we hear God the best. And so if, God is, if we hear God best in those moments, then how do we get to those moments? And it's not that anything has to change about our schedules. Some of us, there's nothing we can do about our schedule. It is what it is. My schedule can't change much. My basic schedule, this is pretty much what it's going to be. You MCs in the room, your schedule's not going to change much. This is what it is. You that work in this room, you, you worker bees, your schedule's not changing much. You're going to go to work. You're going to come home. You're going to sleep. You're going to go to work. You're going to come home. You're going to sleep. You're going to get to the weekend. You're going to come to church. I mean, this is our schedule. It's not changing. Students, your schedule is not going to change much. You're going to get up in the morning. You're going to go to school. You're going to go to your extracurricular activity. You're going to go home and do your homework, and you're going to go to bed at night. And this is pretty much our daily life. So what do we do that our schedules can't change much, but it feels like we're always on our way to something, never actually doing anything? How do we become present to these moments? How do we become present and say, this is, this is what life is about? Some of you in this room right now are already thinking about what the next thing you're going to do when this moment is over. And what I want to challenge you is, this moment is the best moment of your life right now. This is it. Like, this is as good as it gets. And so... What I would like to do tonight is I want to connect for you a thought that maybe you haven't thought about joy in this way. What is joy? What is joy about? And I want to give you a definition of joy. It's my favorite definition I've ever read or ever heard about joy. And it is simply this. Joy is the feeling that you have when you're home. 
Joy is the feeling that you have when you're home. Now look, I am um, conscious enough to know that not everyone in this room enjoys being home. And that's not what I mean. I don't mean your house. I mean home. Where you're home. Where you sit down where you're completely yourself, where you don't have to pretend to be anybody that you're not. You don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to put on a face. You don't have to do anything except just be you, where you can put your feet up. You can take your shoes off. It doesn't matter if your feet stink, and you can just be home. My favorite place to be on the planet, as much as I love you guys, and I I adore you, and I look forward to every Wednesday night, I look forward to throwing the football with y'all. I look forward to preaching. I look forward to worshiping with you. I look forward to seeing you at the altar and in your lives changing. I I adore those moments, but my favorite place to be on the planet is home. And I love my home. Not because of what it's built as, but because of who's there and what I get to be there. I'm deeply loved and I deeply love there. I'm deeply accepted and I deeply accept there. And that's what joy is. Joy is the feeling you get when you're home. When Jesus is born, the angels come to these shepherds in the field and they say to them, rejoice. Rejoice, which means have joy. Because the feeling that you have when you're home has just been brought to the earth wrapped up in a little bitty baby. That that person has brought joy to the world, which is why we sing the song. So what is that? What is this joy to the world that's been brought? It's the feeling, it's this opportunity that we have to be present and content and inside of every moment that we're in. Too often we get stuck in just doing the next thing. What's going to be the next thing? And we don't take advantage of this moment now. And if you can learn how to cultivate joy in your life, you'll learn how to be present and and, and you'll learn how to be inside of each moment. So what does it look like to be present to the moment? What does it look like to have joy? How do I, how do I cultivate joy in my life? So I want to give you a couple thoughts tonight. How do I cultivate joy? The first thought is this. And you've heard me say this a billion times. By billion, I mean you've probably heard me say this a dozen times. But I'm going to keep saying it because you have to hear it because the culture is conditioning you the exact opposite about what I'm about to say. But how do you cultivate joy in your life so that you learn to be present to the moments that are here right now and they will never have them again? I was sitting around with some of my friends on Sunday night after our edge party. And I said to them, there were seven of us. And I said, do you realize that this moment will never happen again? This group of people will never sit at this table in this moment in time ever again. This moment's special. And how do we take advantage of every moment and live those moments that way? And the first thing is this. You have to aggressively eradicate those things that build distractions in your life. You have to aggressively eradicate those things that build distractions in your life. You and I are, we have so many things that are being fed into our brains over and over and over and over and over again, and it just causes distractions. And the problem with the distractions is what it does is it keeps us from being able to be present in this moment. I just want to, look, I don't want to attack anybody in this room, but I want to tell you something. If you can't sit through a 25-minute sermon 
from myself or Pastor Amber without looking at your phone, then you have a distraction problem. And I don't even think it's your fault. Like, I don't think it's your fault. I, I think it is, social media has, a, a, they have a goal. The goal of social media platforms, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, they have one goal. Are you ready for this? Their goal is not to, for you to connect with your friends. Their goal is to keep you on that social media site as long as they possibly can. That's the goal. And so you might think that their goal is to help you connect and love each other, but that's not what it is at all. They want you on that platform as long as they can possibly keep you on that platform because they get paid by the amount of time you spend there. Isn't that crazy? So that's their bottom line. How long can I get somebody to stay right here on this platform? That's what it wants to do. So what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to eliminate, aggressively eliminate, aggressively eradicate the things in our life that bring distractions to us. And I think, the, I think um, one of the worst habits you can have is constantly staring at your phone. It's so bad for your life. It's so bad for you because it takes joy. It steals joy. It steals joy for a number of different ways, not the least of which it brings distractions. So when you're finally in a moment where you get to have a joyful moment with somebody, you sit around a lunch table or you sit in a, a, around your small group and you're just distracted. You're not able to be there in that moment. How many of you can say, I just want you to think for a minute, all of you, are gonna, all of you can say yes, but I want you to try to think of a moment in your life where you were fully present to your friends or to your family where you were there, you were content, you were happy, you forgot you had a phone, like this, you had a good conversation. When's the last time you had a really good conversation with a friend? When's the last time it happened? You didn't look at your phone, you and your friend or a group of friends, they, you sat around, you laid around, whatever, and you just had a long conversation, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour long. You just laid there and you just laughed and you cried and you talked and whatever. It just was a rich conversation. That's what being present is and we have to take that moment into every area of our life. How am I present to all of these moments? That's how you bring joy in your life. You have to aggressively eradicate anything that brings distractions in your life. You are letting your phone condition your mind to be distracted all of the time when you stare at it all the time. So let me give you a couple habits. Let me just give you some suggestions. Number one, turn off all of the notifications on your phone. Just turn them off. Turn them completely off. And just have a designated time, sometime during the day, three, four, five, even six times a day, that's fine, where you say, this is gonna be when I check these places. I'm gonna check my email, I'm gonna check my Snapchat, I'm going to check my text at this time, and then I'm not going to look at it again. Turn off all of your notifications. That's, how many of you say that that's tough, that would be hard for you to do, to turn off your notifications? Really, only six of you think that's hard? Okay. All right. Are y'all listening to me or are y'all distracted? Okay. Number one, turn off all of the notifications in your phone. Number two, don't pick up your phone in the morning before you pick up your Bible. Oh, wow. Pastor, may I read my Bible on my phone? Okay, we've talked about this before. I'm just going to say it real simply. Try not to read your Bible on your phone as often as you can. Try to read your Bible in your Bible as often as you can. Um, but that's okay. It's, it's good. So, number one, turn off your notifications. Number two, don't pick up, make just a rule. I'm not going to pick up my phone before I pick up my Bible. Or, kind of a part B to number two is, I'm not going to touch my phone for at least one hour after I wake up. 
just a flat, I'm not touching it for an hour. So tell me what time teenagers wake up. What time you guys get up? I know what time my daughters wake up in the morning. What time do you guys get up on a school day? Give me a basic idea. High schoolers and middle schoolers. 6.30? 6.30 sound kind of about right? 6.30-ish? Okay. All right, that's good. All right, I got it. Let's just say 6.30. I'm here, I, I, I know my girls get up between 6 and 6.30. I hear some 6.30s. How many of you love to get up and you're like, you're, you're dressed and you're out the door in about 10 minutes? That's, that's the way that I, that's my life, right? I can be out the door. I take a smoothie on the road. That's me. I can be out the door in 20 minutes. Okay. So here's the thing. 6.30, you don't look at your phone before you leave for school. Just a hard rule. That's simple. What you're doing is, you're, tra- you're retraining your brain. Let me give you another rule. Don't look at your phone somewhere or after 8 or 9 p.m. Flat rule, don't look at it anymore. Now, that's tough, right? I get it. That's tough for some of you. Some of you have a hard time sleeping. You want me to tell you one of the reasons you have a hard time sleeping? Because your phone's next to you in the, right on your nightstand and you can't go to sleep. Because, because it, there's something psychological, science has already told us this, there's something psychological that's going on in your phone. Every time you hear a notification, you gotta look at it. You have to look at it. And so turn your phone off, turn off all your notification, whatever you're gonna do, turn it on airplane mode at eight o'clock at night and don't touch it again until an hour or more after you've, wake, after you've woken up in the morning. Now, let me tell you what you're doing. These aren't just dumb, arbitrary rules. These are suggestions to help you retrain your brain to learn to get rid or aggressively eradicate distractions. I think, I'm gonna ask you a question. I want you to think about it. You don't have to answer it. I want you to think about what I'm about to ask you. Do you want to be fully present in the moments of your life that matter? Do you wanna be there? Do you wanna be able to, do you wanna be able to be in the, when you're, how many of you hate it when you're talking to one of your friends and you see them just dote, just date, just gaze off just not just, how many of you get so offended when that happens? I, I've, I've talked to several people before in the, in the recent past. I'll be talking to them. They'll look down at their phone and I'll see this right here. There is nothing that turns off communication and conversation than talking to somebody about something that is just, it doesn't even have to be serious. It can just be conversation. And they look down and they do this. Don't y'all, don't y'all hate that? Do y'all hate that? Oh my God, that's, that's miserable. You, look, you guys fuss about somebody that leaves you, what's it called, on red? You fuss about somebody that leaves you on red? Let me tell you something that's worse. You're talking to them and they're scrolling. So the way that you, the way that you become present to people, the way that you become, the way that you learn how to be in the moments of your life that matter is you have to aggressively eradicate the distractions from your life. And one of the things that we're doing is we're training our brain to always be distracted. We're just training it. And so those are some suggestions. Let me give you one more. Um, Jesus came as the joy bringer. Joy to the world was I'm bringing joy was what Jesus said. The joy we see in the happiest kid. How many of you have been around a kid before and they're just so happy? Brackner will bring over Garrison to my house and all he needs is a plastic dinosaur and, that, and life is the greatest it has ever been. That's it. Just give me a plastic dinosaur and I can be happy for days. That's Garrison, right? But listen to this. 
the joy we see in the happiest child, the joy that we see in the kid that cannot get enough of a plastic dinosaur is but a fraction of the joy that resides in the heart of God. God is filled with joy every moment of his life. Every moment of God's life is filled with joy and he is constantly exhibiting joy. G.K. Chesterton said it like this. He's this old, smart theologian guy. He said, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit, fierce and free. God, doesn't that sound like a kid? Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. My God, like uh, kids, watch this, Daddy. Watch, 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 watch. Do it again, Dad. Do it again. I, that's a kid, right? Do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. This is so good. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. Talking about being present to every moment. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we are. That's pretty rich, right? We have sinned and grown old. We have sinned and gotten distracted life. And it's God that is filled with joy and brings joy. One more thought. How do I, how do I, how do I cultivate joy in my life? Learn to laugh. Just learn to laugh. In order to be a laugher, in order to laugh, you're going to have to do a couple things. And one is... And I won't, I won't belabor this point. You are, going to have to, you are going to have to get rid of the distractions out of your life. You can't be present to the moments that are funny in your life if you're constantly distracted by them. So you have to be in those moments. But the other, one, the, other, the other thought that I have is you have to get a laugh mentor. You have to get somebody in your life that mentors you in a good sense of humor. How many of you can think right now of a person that you think has a brilliant sense of humor? How many of you can think of somebody? I'm waiting until somebody opens their... I'm waiting until somebody... Till til everybody lifts their, who, I want you to think of a name. This person is, is either always making me laugh or always laughing at me or they just have a perfect sense of humor. I've always had somebody in my life, good, good. I've always had somebody in my life that made me feel funnier than I really am and it said less about me and more about their brilliance to bring joy to every moment of their life. So I went to eat lunch. You guys have heard me talk about my friend Lee McBride. Went to eat lunch with him last week. And he, he says to me, he'll call me every few months and he'll say, hey, let's go laugh. And what that means is let's go eat a meal together and talk and have conversation and laugh. Um, but all he says is let's go laugh. Hey, brother, you want to go laugh today? Oh, yeah, I do want to go laugh today. So I'm sitting next to Lee. You have to know there's no way to describe him other than he is a girthy human. He is a very big man. He is one of the biggest men that I knew. No. God rest his soul. No, he's one of the biggest <laughs> men, men that I know. And uh, we're sitting there, and we're just kind of catching up on some things. A lot has happened in my life since I saw him last, and so we're catching up on some things. And then he reaches into his mouth and takes out three teeth <laughs> and sets them on the table. And, I, and, and look, 
He is, he is a pretty progressive redneck, I, 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 I want to say. But there is nothing progressive about a man who pulls three teeth out of his mouth. And I just looked at him and went. And he said, okay. No, it's not, Tyler, for the second time. And so, what I, so, so I say to him, what the heck happened? And he tells me this story. He was on, a, he was on the ladder, and he was trying to do something with a gutter and he missed the whole gutter and hit himself in the mouth and busted his teeth out. He said, he said, I swallowed two of them, and I found one, and there's nothing you can do with one tooth when you're missing three. So then he said this. This is what made me laugh. So then he says this to me. He says, it's the end of the year. Uh, his wife is, uh, works, she's a teacher, and somehow their insurance is transitioning. Some, but for whatever reason, he had to wait to get his teeth fixed until January. So he said, so he said I, I went out about an hour from him, from here, into the most rednecky of redneck places I've ever been, <laughs> where TJ lives. Okay, good, TJ. <laughs> to, the, to the redneckiest of redneck places, he said, "I went into somebody's, I went into somebody's garage in their backyard, and this redneck guy built me a set of teeth for a hundred dollars, and here they are." And, I said, and so we just, we just laugh. But I get with Lee, I get with Lee any time that I need a good laugh because. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He has given me, by his posture and his person, he has given me permission to be present in every moment with him. We just be here. I'm the only one in this moment that matters, and we're here, and we talk, and I can laugh with him, which is what we mostly do. I can cry with him, which is what, we, which is what I have done. We can talk about serious things, and we can talk about dumb things, and we can talk about everything in between. But who is the person in your life that you constantly invite into it or they invite you into it that gives you this moment to bring joy, that feeling you have when you're home? Jesus appears and the angels sing to, to the world. Joy has been brought into the world. The moment that we have, the person that we have that gives us the ability to be our best self and our best self is the self we are when we're present to the moments of our life that matter. And they just so happen to not be the moments you would think they are. It's not the graduation that happens one time in your life. And it's not the, the, the one time you go to Six Flags this summer. And it's not the one time that this special event happens at your family. Those aren't the big deals in life. Those aren't the ones that are hard to be present to. The ones that are hard to be present to are the everyday Monday sitting at lunch for the 47th day this school year and saying, what is it about this moment that matters? That's what matters. And when you discover the ability to be present in that moment, you have discovered true joy. That's what joy is. I want to pray for you tonight. Tonight, I, um, I, don't, I don't really have anything for you to respond to what I preached my response to what I preached is I gave you some thoughts about your phone and, I, and, and about having people in your life. So I really do want to challenge you there. So tonight what I'm going to ask is our leaders to come forward. And um, some of you just have some stuff on your mind. And that's pretty much going to be the altar call tonight is you got some stuff on your mind that you'd like to just pray with somebody about. So with every eye closed, Daniel, if you'll turn on some music. I just want to ask if you're in this room tonight and you say, Pastor Jeremy, I have some stuff on my mind I'd like to pray about. Um, 
Will you just raise your hand? Anybody in here? I got some stuff I probably need to pray about. Yep. Anybody else? Yes. Good. Anybody else? Just got some stuff. Yep, I see you. Anybody else? If everybody will stand up for me, here's what I want you to do. Listen very closely to this direction because this is, this is going to be a little different. Listen closely to this direction I'm about to give. Tonight, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come forward and play with your small group leader. I would like for the rest of you to wait about 10 seconds, and if no one is praying with your small group leader, I want you to come up and pray with them. Just give them an opportunity to be present with you in this moment. You'll be surprised what God does in the moments that you don't think or anything else is going on. Okay? So let me pray for you. As I begin to pray, come forward. If you, um, so this is the directions. If you lifted your hand, come forward. Wait about 10 seconds. If nobody's with your small group leader, just come up and say, hey, Pastor Jeremy said, come pray with you. So here I am. Okay? So let's close our eyes. Jesus, tonight, you are the joy bringer. You are the one that brings joy to the world. And tonight, there are a bunch of teenagers in this room that just have a hard time finding joy. And tonight, will you challenge us? Will you, um, will you open us up to the joy that you want to bring and how you want us to get there? It's not an easy road. There are so many things that are going on around us that are, that are pushing us another way. So we've got some work to do. But if we'll do our work, if we'll do our part, if we'll challenge ourselves in those things that bring distractions and those things that bring um, lack of joy in our life, God, our life will change. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you see these small group leaders up here? I want you to come pray with your...